I don't usually do this, uh, make extemporaneous quest or speech before a sermon, but I just couldn't help it as we sang Just As I Am. Um, Todd Hook came up to me, he had to tell me who he was, but uh, I thought back of Todd and, and, and when he was a young man and his dad, uh, his dad and I were ministers in Northwest Arkansas and and I thought about all of those memories, and then I see all the Sykes family here. And of course, they're not all here. We, uh, in fact, trust me, they're not all here. Uh, but I remember one time being invited to one of, of the devotionals over, I think it was at Steddon's house, and uh, how we sang together. And I still remember singing, We're Part of a Family. Uh, I started looking around. I don't know if you thought, you know, Jim's gone weird on us, but I was looking around at you as we sang, and I saw you in various stages of worship. And I couldn't help but think, we're all part of a family. This is what God intended us to have, is when we gather together to, to see one another, to forget all the things that are going on, but to focus on the fact that we are together as one and singing praises to God. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful definition of church. And so, there you have it. That was free. I love these stories about Jesus. They're so relatable. Uh, and in fact, as I was... Uh, glancing through this story today, I, I thought I found this picture of, if you want to call it Galilee, you can call it Galilee. It's a lot easier than Genesaret, right? Uh, but the Sea of Galilee, and one of my favorite pictures, uh, here's another one um, of, of fishermen on the lake. You can still go to the Sea of Galilee today. One of my favorite pictures of my son is when he was on the cruise ship, they had gone to Jerusalem in that area and uh, had gone up uh, on, the, on the ship up towards, uh, I forget where it was, but they had gone to Galilee and, and he is kneeling down with his hands in the water. You can still see the same sights that Jesus saw. You can still go to the same places where Jesus walked. And I want to read this passage again, this time from the Kingdom New Testament. <clears throat> it's just a little bit, uh, a little bit more modern version. One day as the crowds were pressing close to him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats moored by the land. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And then he sat down in the boat and began to teach the crowd. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deeper part and let your nets down for a catch. Master, replied Simon, we were working hard all night and caught nothing at all. 
But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did so, they caught such a huge number of fish that their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Go away, he said. Leave me, Lord, I am a sinner. And he and all his companions were gripped with amazement at the catch of fish they had taken. This included James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Don't be afraid, said Jesus to Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. And they brought the boats into the land, and they abandoned everything and followed him. It's interesting as you read this passage, verse 5, you notice that Peter calls Jesus master. And we don't really see this, but it's, a, it's a, just kind of a term of respect. It's not Lord or anything like that. He's just saying, sir, we've already been out all night long. And then in verse 8, he calls him Lord. He is in awe of Jesus and he realizes that he hasn't caught anything. And so he says, you know, this is what I do for a living. But if you say so, I'll go out there. There's that natural doubt that says, we haven't caught anything all night. Peter is no dummy. Have you ever had a child or a grandchild explain to you something that you already knew how to do? She happens to be here today and I can't say anything about her. We get on the, the, the TV and we have, to, we have to go through the whole thing and I know how to do part of that. But that's, that's Peter at this point. Peter is sitting there saying, you know, Lord, I know how to fish. You're not a fisherman. Uh, no offense. But the faith side of him says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Had Peter heard Jesus being declared, you know, the Lamb of God by John the Baptist? Had he heard some of the preaching that Jesus had done? I have no clue. And yet he did exactly what he said. And not only did they catch fish, but they caught so many of them. And I'm thinking a boat like this. Can you imagine filling two boats up with fish to the point where these things are about to go underwater? That's how full they are. And Peter's reaction is very simply, go away from me. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Now, why would he say that? Why would Peter say something like that to Jesus? Wouldn't you think you would have said to him, hey, this is great. My business will be doing real well. Let me give you some reasons why I think Peter might have said this. First of all, he may have just felt unworthy. Isn't that our reaction sometimes? Don't we feel kind of uncomfortable sometimes when we're asked to join something that we don't feel like we're qualified for? Or that God would have a relationship with me. Can you imagine that? God calls us and says, I want a relationship with you. And you say, oh no, not me. 
you know, maybe, maybe somebody else, maybe somebody who, who is doing some things, but God doesn't want a relationship with me. But don't sell yourself short. Because you can hear Satan whispering that in your ear right now. God doesn't want a relationship with you. But it's interesting to note that in the same chapter, just a few verses down, Jesus is being criticized by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And, he, and, and they complain that he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus has an interesting response. He says, I haven't come to call the righteous. I'm calling sinners to repent. I think our attitude sometimes is, you know what? I'll be a Christian. I'll follow God. I'll do what he wants me to do. But let me get my act together first. And God says, no, let's not do that. Why don't you come now? And that's exactly what Jesus says to Peter. He says, I want you to come now. Jesus says, or Peter says to him, get away from me. And Jesus never sends him away. Did you ever notice that? That Jesus never says, oh, okay. Instead, he calls him to join him in his mission. We tend to want to live in the past. We tend to want to, well, I used to do this, and so God wouldn't, God wouldn't love me. And scripture is littered with people who were mighty for the Lord, but did awful things. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied about his wife. Moses killed a man, then disobeyed God as he led the Israelites. David committed adultery. He also murdered someone. Rahab was a prostitute. Would you like for me to go on? Because every one of those that I have named are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews as heroes of the faith. And he says, listen, I want a relationship with you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I want a relationship with you. Even Paul said, I forget what is behind, and I strain towards what is ahead of me. Are we unworthy? Absolutely. But that doesn't and shouldn't keep us from following him. His grace, his blood, his grace allows us to follow him. But maybe Peter was full of fear. Can you imagine having a friend who can control weather? <clears throat> we have some pretty bad storms in Nebraska. Can you imagine? And, and I remember hearing some hail, you know, that was about that big around. Can you imagine saying, oh, my goodness, the car's going to, it's going to get damaged. And, and this friend of yours or mine comes out and says, hey, stop. And it stops. Can you imagine having a friend like that who can control things like that? That's exactly what Paul's having, uh, Peter's having to face here as he's in the water and there's Jesus, you know, that, there's, no, there's no fish in there. I've been fishing all night. Jesus said, well, why don't you cast your nets down? And the next thing you know, here they are. They're just full of fish. Now, I have heard and I have read commentators, commentators that have said, well, Jesus happened to be able to see that there were some fish coming in, and therefore he, he kind of 
he kind of knew. You tell me that a guy who had fished all his life couldn't see those signs? Maybe he was just afraid. Fear is a good motivator. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is what Proverbs says. I've been reading in Exodus lately, and, and it's interesting. One of the, it seems like to me, one of the few things that really motivates the children of Israel's is fear. They don't seem to want to follow God when things are, are the way they should. They, they seem, seem to just do whatever they want to do, and they forget all about God. Moses comes down from the mountain, and they say, oh man, look at that. He's shining. Let's, why don't you put a veil on your face? I think of Job and his story, and I think about how people try to, to say, you know, you need to be afraid of God because he is doing bad things to people who are doing bad things. And I love the passages at the end, starting about verse 38, or chapter 38 and going through about chapter 41, where God says, okay, are you ready to listen? And God says, listen to me. Do you know where I keep the hail? Do you know where I keep the storehouses of those kind of things? Fear is a good motivator, but we have to understand that it's natural to fear God, but it must be understood through an understanding of what God's love is. Every one of the miracles that Jesus did, and I, I challenge you to challenge me on this, Every one of the miracles that Jesus did were done out of love. Because he loves us. But maybe, well, this is what the scripture says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. I, I, I've preached about this before, and, and I don't want to, to, to overemphasize or or overdo it on this, but I think it's a change in relationship. I think it goes from fear of the Lord to understanding that he loves us, to understanding the fact that I shouldn't be afraid of him because he is Abba, Father, because he loves me. But maybe, maybe Peter was afraid of change. Maybe he was afraid that, that he knew that his life was about to change. Think about how, how different his life was before this incident. Think about what happened to him before. He was just a common fisherman. He was out, you know, he probably stunk a little bit. He washed his nets. I don't know what kind of business he had, uh, but, but evidently it was fairly successful. But they abandoned everything they had, it says, and they followed Jesus. And if you follow Peter's life, you think about he went from fisherman to apostle to leader in the church to one who spoke before mighty men and women. It's crazy. And I think about, I think about the parable of the soils, about the different kinds of soils, about the pathway and the rocks and the thorns and the good soil and I think about 
What kind of soil am I? What happens when we decide to follow Jesus? A change occurs. A change occurs in the way that we think, in the way that we act. Some of us are content with what we're, where we are. But in order to be a follower of Jesus, we can't be content with where we are. And so many of us think that, that baptism is the magic potion. That once we become a follower of Jesus and we are baptized, then everything immediately changes. Let me ask you a question. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you have ever seen the leaves change? You don't. You don't see the leaves change. In fact, you see them one day and then the next day you say, wow, you know. But have you sat there and watched it just go from green to this color? Never have you done that. Change is a process. It is, it is something that occurs in our life slowly over time as we continue to commit ourselves to Jesus. We think differently. We act differently. And it's a combination of failure and grace. And Paul says it's just a matter of going in the right direction. But you know, Peter may have been afraid of some intimacy. Peter tells Jesus to go away. And as I've said earlier, Jesus, not only does he not go away, but he becomes intimately involved in his life. Jesus doesn't leave Peter, instead he invites him to be part of a great mission. He tells him he should fish for men. I thought of this passage from the 139th Psalm. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Yes, you have a close friend and, and, and that close friend you've exposed yourself and you, the reason why they're a close friend is because they know pretty much everything about you, but they really don't know everything. Can you imagine if your friend knew the very thoughts, the very words that were about to come to your tongue. That's God. That's a frightening thought, isn't it? The intimacy that we can have. That's a psalm of David, the adulterer. He comes to God and he says, search me. If you find something that's bad, cleanse me. It's a scary thing to be totally open and honest before someone. I want to finish today with a reading, a very short reading from uh, a book called Jesus, and I've quoted this before, A Pilgrimage by James Martin. He's talking about this story in the book of Luke, and he says this, as Peter rowed or sailed back to the shore, he may have considered everything that he would have to give up. His livelihood, his family, everything he knew, he must have had doubts. And as Peter strained against the waves on Lake Genesaret, he must have asked himself, 
whether he would be able to leave so much behind. He must have toggled between worry about the future and amazement over the miraculous catch of fish. I imagine being in the scene and asking Peter, how could you do it? And in my prayer, he seemed to point to the net and say, just look at all those fish. All of us need to leave things behind in order to follow God. For some of us, it is addictive patterns of behavior. For others, an overweening emphasis on our own success. For others, the adulation of the crowd. It helps sometimes to look not just at what we're leaving behind and what God promises us, but also at what God has shown us already. Just look at all those fish. I want you to look at the fish. I want you to understand, and I appreciated Jeff's remarks today. So many times we close our eyes and we don't see what God is doing in our lives. And I'm asking you, don't be afraid of intimacy. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid, period. But instead, just follow him. May he become less your master and more your Lord. Our shepherds are going to be at the back here in just a moment if you want to talk to them. But we're going to sing a song that Caleb has, has selected for your encouragement. If you feel the need to, to come and ask for the prayers of this church, boy, we'll be more than happy to do that. But if you, you have that need, would you come as we stand and sing this song?